0: Good morning. We're going to again have another look at Jude this morning. I'm going to read just a few verses from Jude, from verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let us pray. Oh God we pray as we again study this little epistle of Jude. That you will help us to rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well here is another translation of those few verses from verse 5. To verse 7, which I hope we will get through this morning. Remember this fact, which you know already, that the Lord saved a whole nation of people out of the land of Egypt, and then killed every one of them who did not trust and obey him. And I remind you of those angels who were once pure and holy, turned to a life of sin now God has them chained up in prisons of darkness waiting for the judgment day and don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns all full of lust of every kind including lust of men for other men those cities were destroyed by fire and continue to be a warning to us that there is a hell in which sinners are punished. Very solemn passage that. We'll just pick up from where we left off last week. I wonder how many of you uh, took the advice and read Second Peter chapter 2. Do I hear? Oh, I forgot. I should have done it. Don't worry, you can read it later on today. But seriously, this chapter of Second Peter chapter 2 tells of the condition of the churches in Peter's day. And quite honestly, it is very similar to what is happening around us today. Watching a bit of that very moving Royal British Legion program yesterday evening reminds us of the horrors of war and the consequences in human terms. However, what it also shows is the gap between what scripture says and the prayers said for victims, especially those who have been killed. And this included a prayer for our beloved Queen that she would be brought into eternal life. This is at odds with John's teaching in both his gospel and his first epistle. John 20 verse 31. But these are written these words are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name, first John chapter five and verse thirteen. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God that ye might know that ye have eternal life the Bible teaches that those who believe on the name of the Son of God here and now have eternal life we don't have to pray that we will receive eternal life we have it today Praise God. But looking at. Second Peter chapter 2. To which. Peter. Reminds us. There are a few facts. And Peter reminded those. To whom he was writing. Of many things. But of three separate. And specific events. In particular. When God intervened into both angelic and human affairs second peter chapter 2 and we'll just read a few verses at the at the start of this epistle second peter chapter 2 but there were false prophets also among the people Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto Judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Very serious words again. So the three items there that Peter uh, brings to our attention the punishment of the angels who had sinned the punishment of the ancient world of Noah's day by flood and the punishment of Sodom and Gomorrah (coughs) wiping them out a complete civilization of those cities in the Jordan plain because of their evil, unnatural practices. Of course, we know that Jesus also spoke specifically about the last two in that list, the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 6, we read that the earth was evil. And every thought of the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. And God said he would destroy his civilization. And then verse 8 in chapter 6 of Genesis We read that wonderful word and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know I was thinking about that this morning. Sometimes we think we're uh, isolated a bit. Perhaps in your office on the building site you think you're having a rough time. Noah and his family were the only people in the whole world That God could say, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. As the time creeps nearer for the end of this age, and the next event on the church's calendar, the rapture of the church, to the air to meet our Lord, followed by the great tribulation here on earth, prior to the return of our Lord to the earth. Jesus said that the conditions prevailing in the world that resulted in the judgmental punishments of the flood and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah would once again be evidenced and be harbingers of our Lord's return to the earth. What was it like in Noah's day? Every thought and imagination of man was only evil continually. What was it like in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah? Those same signs that we saw in Sodom and Gomorrah Are being repeated today. And God said. Our Lord said. These were harbingers. That the time. Of the end of this age. And his return to earth. Would soon be. We know that before that. We will be raptured to meet our Lord in the air and we'll see now if we look for a moment that Jude also had very similar thoughts in his epistle and we will take a look at what he says this epistle has some dire warnings for those who disobey The truth of God's word. In verse 4 we saw that these false teachers had crept in. They had wormed their way in. A bit like what our Lord said would happen in John 10. Those that climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. The Amplified Version says they crept in stealthily gaining entrance by a side door. They didn't come in through the door the Lord Jesus Christ. Apparently they were practicing and teaching and saying that after we become Christians we can just do what what we like without fear of God's judgment and punishment and Jude says the fate of such men false teachers was written long ago for they have turned against our only master and Lord Jesus Christ these were profane ungodly and apostate impostors the fate for such men has been decided and predicted long ago, Jude tells us. What a severe warning. So in the next few verses, he reminds the Christians of three major events in Scripture for our edification and for our serious consideration. The first, in verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance... Though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And that's the important part. He destroyed them that believed not. What he's really saying is, I want to remind you of something you already know. You were taught this. There seems to be a rebuke here for the recipients of this epistle. They had been taught, and yet they had accepted some of these men into their churches. The people had been saved out of Egypt. He says he once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt... Afterward, destroyed them that believe not. Look at Hebrews 3. And from verse 15, we have a summary of this in the sight of God. Hebrews 3, verse 15. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? With whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not enter into the rest that God had for them because of unbelief. Unbelief or false belief, not accepting the word of God as the word of God. Our future inheritance and our destiny depends on what we believe John 5 verse 24 verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation into judgment But is passed from death unto life. Conversely. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son. Shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Look for a moment. At a verse in. Ephesians, the first chapter of Ephesians, we've used this verse on numerous occasions. Verse 13, he's talking about in verse 12, who first those who had first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. They heard the fact that God loves them, and sent his son to die for them. In whom, after also that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of Of his glory. They heard the gospel. They believed. They trusted in God. That he would save them. And he sent his Holy Spirit. As the seal. The approval. That someday we would go and live with him. In glory. You know remember the object of this little epistle. It's to encourage the saints to defend the faith. That was why he was led to write this epistle. He was going to write about something else, but God encouraged him to write about defending the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. It cannot be tampered with or amended or revised, it was delivered once. For all. And so, continuing, we've had the fact that they had denied the word of God. The apostasy continued. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Apostasy. That's what has happened. These angels were guilty of apostasy. Renunciation of belief. Abandonment of their belief. Treachery. These angels had totally abandoned their position and place of trust. Now their punishment is one of note here. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness... Unto the judgment of the great day. Or as the Amplified says. And angels who did not keep their own designated place of power. But abandoned their proper dwelling place. These he has kept in eternal chains. Under the thick gloom of utter darkness. For the judgment of the great day. People say, What will hell be like? For these angels, He has kept them in the thick gloom of utter darkness. They are being held in utter darkness. Now we cannot. Understand that. What will hell be like? Now look on further to verse 13 in this little passage of Jude. He describes this punishment for false teachers, the thick gloom of utter darkness. These false teachers will suffer the thick gloom of utter darkness until the final judgment. What a woeful, awful future for somebody. And then the next thing that Jude brings forward is in verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities about them. In like manner. Giving themselves over to fornication. And going after strange fire. Are set forth for an example. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You know over the past few months we have. Uh, referred to Sodom and Gomorrah and now here we have it again stressed as to God's punishment on those who practice uh, such things and who seek to naturalize and condone them here again the amplified version is frightening such as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the adjacent cities, since they, in the same way as these angels, indulged in gross immoral freedom and unnatural vice and sensual perversity. They are exhibited in plain sight as an example in undergoing the punishment of everlasting fire. Again. What an awful thought. You know when our Lord Jesus. When they asked him. Uh, some questions. What will the future be like? He explained that what it would be like. Would be what it was like. In the days of Noah. Now lots of people today don't even believe in the flood. So you would have thought perhaps if Jesus was going to give an example, he would have picked something which everybody would believe. But no, he referred back to the time of the flood when man was evil. And then he referred to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. People uh, don't believe that either. But that is what he believed. And I was thinking about that. It goes back to another time when Jesus was asked for a sign as to who he was. And he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights. In the whale's belly of the f- big fish, the f- um, he said, "So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the earth." What has man done? Man has reduced that to from a Friday afternoon to a Sunday morning, and yet he said. As Jonah was three days and three nights. Again something that most people don't believe. Why did Jesus not pick uh, something that everybody would accept? No. But whenever man touches the word of God. He spoils it and ruins it. We will look a little bit further next week as to the further corruption brought about by these evil men who had wormed their way into the churches, causing mayhem. And again, we should see the the example refers to what it is very like around us today. May God give us the discernment to see and reveal error Where it is rooted. Pluck it out. And destroy it. For his name's sake. Amen.